The Project Kuwait. Learn, Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of The Project. And in today's episode, I sit down with Coach Sad and we go over a wide range of different things. Most importantly, we go over movement and lack of movement. Yes, lack of movement because we all struggle with getting those eight to 10,000 steps in a day. And in this episode, Coach Sad breaks down a lot of different tips and tricks so that we can get those steps in. And it's overall a great conversation. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this. So without further ado, here's Coach Sad. All this and more in today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the project. I am joined by Coach Sad from one of our local gyms here in Kuwait. And I have seen Coach Sad, or I've known him for almost a year now, right? Yeah. We're creeping yeah. up on almost a year, a little bit right. more since you came to Kuwait. Time flies. And he's one of those trainers where I've always seen him grinding and not in the other sense, but grinding as in grinding and work. He's always with a client. He's always working on different movement techniques. Um, I've seen nothing but good from Coach Sad. And he's the type of trainer that I think other trainers should emulate, so to speak, because there are certain movement patterns that the mainstream trainers are forgetting these days, right? Yeah, true, true. So, true. I mean, tell us a little bit about your background and you know why you always have your nose in a book too, man. <laughs> well, thank you very much for all the compliments uh, first. But, um, so my name is Sad. I'm a trainer. I was born and raised in France. So about my background, I... Went to Sports Science University. I stayed there for four years. Then after I was working as a freelancer uh, in France, um, I hold also a certificate as a boxing trainer because that was like my first sport uh, since I was 12 years old. So far, right after, what, two years of practice in France, I had the opportunity to come to Kuwait. And then I came here and actually I feel like I started studying more when I came here because. I started studying more because I faced like a way more problems. Yeah, we're, low- we're different animals over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Not problems, even with, with my knowledge. Like, I just felt like, cause my, my degree is like specific, like specific for conditioning. Okay. Like specific conditioning integrated to your sport. So I've been, I've been taught that how to train someone to become a baseball player and someone how to become a swimmer, how to be a better fighter or a better football player. But I felt when I came here that I was like, okay, but I don't have the athletes that I had before. I just feel like I have like a lack of knowledge in certain things. So I got to study a bit more. Just for fun, I did a cupping therapy course to learn more about recovery and everything. And did a couple of others since then about like posture correction, uh, all like related to movement and like, let's say more like physics and movements. Uh, just to be a bit more nerdy. I'm, <laughs> well, that, that, that is pretty nerdy. So, <laughs> so going on that, here's a question for you. Yeah. You say you worked with athletes and you've worked on athletic training specifically for different sports. When you came to Kuwait, you know, obviously the gym that you're at, all right, is a, I would say a higher echelon big box gym, so to speak, you know, like the, you get, you mm. get some of the cream of the crop that are going there. Mm-hmm. And, they're probably some of the most out of shape people in Kuwait, especially with the rise in obesity. Mm-hmm. So here's my question. What are some of the biggest observations that you've had in the past year about the Kuwaiti client 
because they're so far away from the sports, you know, the athletes, yeah. you know, I mean, if you get a guy that's a hundred kilos overweight, yeah. you've got, you've got a big job on your hands. Yeah, so that's, that's so, not so just walk about... us through your observations over the last year, what you've seen out of the society. And so I've been here for two years and a half now. Yep. What's interesting is, uh, I actually like the example of the overweight guy because for me, that's one of the most interesting type of, uh, I would say like athlete that you can have is that you cannot just throw any exercise. You cannot take someone who's 145 kilos and just make him do squat jumps the same way as you're going to do with someone who's 65 kilos. I mean, because you're going to learn how joints are reacting and how muscles are reacting. And I mean, we're talking about someone that's having probably around like maybe 80 kilo extra fat. Okay. Yeah. So that's much more dangerous. So you're going to learn how to create certain programs uh, like specific for those kind of people. So the same way as I've learned to create programs for athletes, you learn how to create a program for someone who has an issue. So it's kind of the same structure, but a different approach. So my observations in Kuwait in general, I have been honestly shocked by the lack of activity, which I think is mostly a cultural problem. I'll give you like an like a comparison with Europe in general is just the first thing is I see a lot, a lot of kids in Kuwait not doing any sport, nothing except going to maybe trampo because we get trampo next to the gym, like play around or just one or two activity per month. And I just realized that, man, like when we're young, I mean, my generation, and I know for a fact that even the next generation, because I get nephews in France and everything, and even the previous one, they were being active. I mean, no, I'm not even still talking about playing outside and everything, but like parents throw you in sports. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yes, want it, it or not? Big back then, yeah. 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 You want it or not, you go to a sport club and yes. you, you do it, whatever. It can be football, boxing, karate, judo, swimming, whatever. You do it. You but, have to. But to, to be fair, and, and this is, I think this is something a lot of our listeners, most of our listeners might not even know about. Back when I was a kid in Kuwait, I was about 11 years old or 10 years old when I joined Qatia Club. Yeah. I was actually, believe it or not, I started in gymnastics, <laughs> went into diving, you know, like diving off of three meters and so forth. Yeah. And back then, it was very well structured. You had the clubs going to schools, taking kids out, you know, signing us up. Yeah. Whereas now we don't have that in Kuwait. So I think that's the the mm. bigger problem that as a Kuwaiti that I've seen in society is it's not offered up. Yeah. So with that, what would you recommend to parents? Uh, given given the, the heat and given all the constraints and follow and follow Mahdi on Instagram and do the same thing as he as he does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, honestly, that's pretty simple. I mean, I'm not a parent yet, so I can't I can't really yeah. give that kind of. But from, a, from from a performance perspective, because me, you see me with my kid. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to, and I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. I'm trying to develop an athlete. Yeah, so I try to keep him in. You know, he's got CrossFit. He's got swimming. Yeah. He's got soccer. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do from the parent side. Yeah. From a professional side, from where you are, what's what are what are some of the things we should start with? I mean, is it gymnastics? Is it weightlifting? Is it just throw your kid in a playground and get him out there and playing? You know, like it's it's such a difficult thing in Kuwait because of the climate. But what would you recommend um, from a from an athletic perspective? Honestly, in my opinion, I the three 
best sports for kids, like for developing their body and their motor pattern, will be first swimming. Because um, I think it's a really good way of working on the muscles without having any huge impact on the joints or anything, yeah, especially yeah. in a growing body. Yes. The second thing will be um, I really like judo as as an activity for a kid because yeah. it teaches the kid how to move around, how to move on the floor, how to fall and everything. And I know for a fact because I got a lot of friends that are judo fighters that for kids they have like specific mm-hmm. like sessions that it's more like playful, you know. We cannot really talk about a workout for a kid, but more of a, like, you play judo. You know what I mean? You play swimming. And the third sport that I'm going to say would be more, I love for kids, I don't know how is it in Kuwait, but like teach a kid how to run. Because uh, we have so many kids here. I'm sorry. We have so many people here spending <laughs> the whole day sitting. School, yes. car, yeah. home, car. School or home, work, car, you know. So at the end, we are adults. I mean, we're grown. Our bones are done. Everything is fine. I mean, we're, we are what we are. Kids are still growing. I love, I love to use this analogy of, you know, when the plant is growing and they put, I don't know how you call it in English, this stick that you put next to it to yeah, tie yeah, it around yeah, to, make it, to make sure it grows properly. Yes, yeah. So basically what we're doing with our kids is is just you throw them in school and they're just sitting like this and slouching with the shoulders forward and and like they're like like over flexion of their spine and they're growing that way because I'm sorry if you if you if yeah. you with a kid who's I don't know how old is your son 4 years old he's 4 if you look at kids now kids yeah. that are in their teens now compared to kids in their teens in the 90s yeah. you can notice a significant difference of upper cross oh, yeah. and all of that it's 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 scary yeah, it's very it scary and they're developing health problems right now yeah they're developing back issues and when i was a kid i never remember having any muscle or anything hurt so it's like when i see you sometimes with your clients teaching movement patterns yeah. with adults i see you kind of sometimes breaking them back down to being a kid yeah, with some of those movements, so. you have to sometimes. And as you were saying earlier, you have to go back to basics. You cannot. I'm. I'm. It breaks my heart when I see people coming to the gym and going for training. You see, uh, they're going either to class or to PT, and they just like learn how to do like a snatch or or like very complex movements mm-hmm. or like clean and press or whatever or like even like squat. I'm sorry, like like a back squat for example, but. So most of the people, besides having a really bad joint alignment, don't even know how to walk. I'm just for the example, I happened to me that I got like new people coming to me and wanting to train, for example, for running for a race. Like people come to me like, okay, there is whatever, like an Ironman or a marathon or a sprint. And when I just watch the way they run, it's just so bad, like so bad. I'm not, not in the way that they are bad in the way that. It would be so harmful, and then then I just watched, I watched them, and I stopped them. Like, would you okay. say it's their gait or their foot alignment? Yeah. Like, where, where where would you see one of the biggest problems with runners? Because in in uh, around the world, yeah, you see people. It's like, oh, okay, I want to get in shape. First thing they do is, I'm going to go run tomorrow morning, and it's like, you know, like you can run, but running is, I think, number one in terms of uh, injuries. I think it's the number one thing people do that that causes injuries. I'd say football. 
Uh, well, maybe. I mean, you never know. I mean, it's re- it's it, it, that's what I read in the research yeah, yeah. that it was running long distance running to be specific. Yeah. But you know, research is research. You can get research to interpret anything you want these mm-hmm. days. So. True. That's true. But uh, look, honestly, I don't think I, I'm not in those guys that will say, "Okay, you should never run until you get the perfect alignment and a perfect posture," because perfect posture doesn't exist. Yes. There is no physiotherapist or no trainer that's going to tell you, yeah, I had this guy. His alignment is perfect. doesn't exist. Even every sport that you're doing is shaping your body in a, in a certain way. Well, that's the thing with professional athletes. They're manipulating their body. That's yeah. why they're so good. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of running, I mean, for example, with that person that I had, I make that person run. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. This athlete is going to run anyway. But... Make sure that you're doing specific exercises to correct it, to make it like go toward the proper alignment and a proper technique. Yeah. And a proper, even like a, when I say proper technique is like, you know, using your arms to yes. give more yeah, momentum. Yeah, the, arm, the arm swing, yes. Like, yeah. you know, like athletes, athletes were like sprinters would understand what I'm saying. When I say like, you know, when you have to scratch the floor instead of landing flat foot on the floor or striking with your, with your, with heel. your heel, yeah. but like scratching kind of with your toes. Yep. On the, on the, on the floor just to make you more efficient when yeah. you run. Yeah. So. And I don't know if you're aware of, or if you have ever heard of, um, Exos. Mm, I think no. they were formerly owned by Onnit and then they went off their own, they went off on their own way, but they're very much about, uh, corrective movement patterns or cor- some corrective exercise. Cause at the end of the day, you can't really correct extra movements that you've done for 30 years. <laughs> It's just not, it's not how you're never going to, you're never going to correct that, but you can better it yeah. through certain things. And yeah, as a baseball player, you know, your, your, your baseball swing kind of gets set in stone yeah. at a certain, at a certain age. Yeah, yeah. And for, for me, it's like, I've always had this big loopy swing and I dilute my power. So I learned to hold back a little bit and, you know, get, get, use my hips more through CrossFit. Yeah. So it's, it's, you can do that. Correct. But how hard is it or how difficult is it to unlearn some of the bad behaviors and movement patterns that you've seen, you know, through your experience? Mm, it's not the hardest thing. It's the longest thing. It's, okay. It's not, it's not super hard in the way that the process is very simple, by the way. You just break down the movement. I mean, let's say, I don't know, give me, um, I don't know, like a very simple. Let's go movement. back to the bench press. Okay, bench press. Uh, let's see what the worst, like the worst dysfunction that I would see in a bench press is having some people, uh, for example, like bringing their arms, like their elbows, lit, like almost above the shoulders. Oh yeah, okay, yeah I've seen that before. <laughs> yeah, to yeah, do that, yeah. for example, or I don't know. I mean, bench press is not the worst because it's very like okay, uh, deadlift because you get you know you get you get the person that will round their back in a deadlift. I'd say that's another yeah. one. Yeah. You know, the rounding of the back in a deadlift. What, um, you, you go ahead and then I could tell you about my experience with the deadlift, which is pretty <laughs> okay. funny. So I'll, I'll throw it your way. <laughs> uh, for deadlift. Okay. I have, okay. Let's, let, let's call him, uh, let's call him, uh, Jim. G- Jim? Jim. Jim. I was going to say Joe. <laughs> okay. Let's say Joe. Okay. Average Joe. Okay. He's coming and he's having, yeah, he's having a rounded like when, like excessive, like flexion of his spine when he's uh, deadlifting. So, and he's doing, deadlift like real deadlift like heavy weight okay okay and he doesn't have back pain yet because usually it doesn't happen the first day it happens within a few weeks to a few months so mm-hmm. what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna stop him like okay man just go and grab this like 12 or 16 kilos kettlebell stand okay then we're gonna fix first uh the 
feet uh, position if it's wrong, the knee alignment, and we're going to go back to like uh, reduce uh, movement, which for example, like Romanian deadlift, mm-hmm. where you let's say like you kind of freeze your legs and really focus on your hip hinge, like and what 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 movement would emulate the Romanian deadlift that people would do on day to day, so that they can understand that through oh, radio uh, or through podcasting, like. What is a Romanian deadlift versus uh, a, re- a regular deadlift? So what you're going to do, like, Romanian deadlift is, <laughs> I, I, it's funny because in, in this part of the world, I, I give the example, like, I'm like, you know, when people pray, like, just, you know, like, keep your leg kind of straight and just incline your upper back. That's okay, it. Yeah, you know? that's a very good example. Like actually, for, yeah, that's a, That's an awesome example yeah, right there. Like, that's for a, example, like, just give them this cue because even people that like, don't pray, I mean, that's not the problem. It's like just people like, can picture it properly because yes. sometimes it's just all about like visualizing the movement mm-hmm. or just tell them okay imagine that you want to pick up something from the floor but you don't want to use your legs because you know like you can i mean technically go and squat to pick something from the floor but okay let's say you're lazy but you want to keep your back straight and you want to pick up something from the floor so okay, yeah which then it engages the hamstrings and causes exactly, you to bring yeah. the hips through yeah yeah exactly so usually you know you can use like some tools for example like put this like the, the pvc pipe all all along the um, their spine and say, okay, like this has to touch this part and this part. And yeah. okay, like check yourself. I use a lot, a lot of mirrors. Like for me, the mirror is like the most used tool in the gym. Okay. Yeah, because I don't want like, I want people to have like certain, certain cues, certain feelings when they do the workout. Like for example, for Romanian deadlift, I'm going to tell them, okay, you're going to go all the way down. Okay. And like inclining your back. Okay, keep your leg like slightly bend your legs, incline your back forward. And I want you to feel the stretch in your hamstring when you arrived around your knees, for example. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if you feel it, that means you're doing it. You're in a good way to doing it right. If you don't feel it, that means something is wrong and your bike is not, is not properly extended and everything. So, and then I just tell them, okay, now that you've been doing it properly, I mean, you've been in a certain way and you feel it in yourself, check yourself in the mirror and see if you're doing it right or not. Because I tell them, like, I want, I want you to be able to do it when you're going to come and train on your own. Because for me, in my opinion, that's the best thing a coach can do is teach you how to move. I mean, I can put, I can go behind you and put my hand and tell you, okay, I'll press on your back and make sure you keep your back straight. But the best, the best thing that you can, that I can do as a trainer and make sure someone is becoming an athlete. Yeah. You're tra- you're, you're like a psychologist, you know, in psychology, if, if you have a client with you for more than six months, yeah. you're doing something wrong. But at the same time, as a trainer, you know, like for, for me, for instance, I've been with the same coach for a year now. Mm. He coached me through rehabbing me back into baseball. Yeah. And now he's my CrossFit coach. Mm. So I've been with him for a year. I see you, do, I see you doing muscle ups right now. I I'm trying. You. I'm trying. I'm, try, I'm trying to like, I'm yeah. trying like hell, man. But yeah. it is just, I can't get that. That flip of the wrist right now. It's going to come with time for sure. It's practice. Yeah, and it's, it's practice. That's it's, such a stubborn thing to do, muscle ups. Yeah. Like, just got to be super stubborn all the time. I know. It, it, <laughs> it does suck. Um, but going back to deadlifts and the reason why I, I, wanted to, I wanted to throw something that I was an overweight guy. Mm. And back, in, back when I was weightlifting when I was younger, we really didn't do deadlifts that much. Yeah. It was kind of frowned upon. You know, that was the, that was the movement that, you know, CrossFit brought deadlifts back back to life. I think CrossFit brought deadlifts and squats back to life. Yeah, I think because so. in the gyms through the 90s and, you know, early 2000s, not a lot of people were doing the deadlift or the squat. You know, you'd go in and 
the squat rack would be you know, covered in dust, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So then when I came back into the gym scene in what, 2009 ish, that's when I started seeing deadlifts, squats. Mm. And then when 2013, when I was like, all right, I need to transform my body because I'm just unhealthy at this point. Yeah. I started with, um, basically like an average Joe program. Very simple movements, okay. one complex movement per the program day. And it was a push-pull with uh, two or three days of conditioning. Okay. And it was short conditioning, like 15 minutes. All right. You know, you try and do 15 wind sprints, 15 okay. or 16 wind sprints. It'd be a, like a 100-meter dash, 50 meters walking rest, you know, just to, just to get the conditioning up. And <laughs> it, it, it really, it helped me out during that time. But Going back to the deadlifts, I started out with a, a single-legged RDL, single-legged Romanian deadlifts to get my hamstrings engaged because I was sitting down so long. And mm. it's just everyone's got their own technique. Everyone's got their own, uh, their, their own effect. But how hard is it to get people to go back to square one and do the movement like a single-legged Romanian deadlift where that's for our listeners, you stand on one leg, you put one leg back, right? You know, you can correct yeah, yeah, me here yeah. if I'm wrong. And then you reach down to the ground on one leg and basically come back up using your hamstring and your hip to go through the movement. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, just like a like a lever movement yeah, with your yeah, leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost over. like a pen, pendulum? I yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say almost like a pendulum. But how, how hard is it to convince these guys that are coming into you, especially the athletes, yeah. to go back to square one? Look, honestly, uh, I, mean, I don't know if you're asking about how to convince them to do it, like how important it is or how to teach them. Teaching them is not the hardest part, honestly. Okay. It's pretty easy if you, if you know the cues, if you have a little bit of experience and if you can, I mean, if you can just explain it in a certain way, okay? Sometimes you have to explain it in five different ways for the guy to understand. But the hardest part would be to convince someone that's how important it can be. So for example... Uh, I'll take the squat for example. I have people that, you know, there is a lot of people having a lack of mobility on dorsiflexion of, uh, of their foot. So when they squat, they tend to like not go all the way down or to just like incline their back away too far. So which put too much pressure on their back. Mm -hmm. So, and they get stuck to a certain level, a certain, a certain point. They, they get stuck because they don't really use their legs as much as they should. All of that, it's a mechanical problem. So what's happening is you got to convince them to come 10 minutes earlier yeah. and to do some stretches for their calves and to do some mobilization for their ankles and so and so. And that's the hardest part because people don't really take it seriously. Yeah, right? no, you're right. They don't, they don't really pay attention to it. And it's, yeah. And you know, you cannot blame it on people because it's in the fitness industry for decades now that we have been uh, miss, uh, understanding stretching. Like on, when I was at university, they were teaching all the time and saying, you should never do any passive stretch before working out. Never. That's, that increases the risk of getting injuries. And yep. a few years later, they're just telling you, okay, now see the bigger picture. We're talking a guy that had been having short muscle, like shortened muscle because he was sitting for eight hours. And you're telling him that he shouldn't do any static exercises, but he needs to do it. And he's gonna, he's actually gonna enhance and improve the performance if he does it. Yeah. If he does passive stretches before his warm up, and this is gonna improve the performance. And that's the complete opposite of what I've been learning at university. 
Uh, but still, people are. It's pretty new for some people. Yeah, it's yeah. still pretty new. It's still something like okay, it's just stretching. You know, ah, who cares? I'm still, I'm still Generation X. Like my stretching, it's so bad. I was so bad before. I'd go in. You know, I'd do some some arm circles, yeah. Stretch my triceps out, and then I'd be like, "All right, let's go." <laughs> so, so you're right. I mean, stretching is such such an important movement. Um, here's a question for you: What about people that sit behind a desk all day? Yeah. Okay. This is like your cup of tea right here. I'm assuming. <laughs> um, would you recommend doing some static stretching for say about 20 minutes during their lunch break? Um, definitely. Look, I, I've been, I'm going to tell you what, what I usually tell to people that trains with me. I give them, I give them a few, a few advices, not only about stretching, but about, and I'm going to, we're going to come to that point, about like general activity. Yep, yep. Uh, I give them some, let's say rules or like small challenges that they have to do every day. So for example, I'm I'm telling them, and some people, if they listen to that podcast, they're going to recognize themselves. I'm going to tell them, okay, whenever you have a phone call at the office, <laughs> stand up. Yeah. Like, stand up and walk. Whenever you have a phone call, that's it. Like, just make it as a statement. I have a phone call, I stand up, and I walk around. Uh, whenever you need to print something, print it as far as possible, okay? If you're... In your office, if your uh, printer is connected all, to all the printers in, uh, in the floor, print it in another office, just stand up and go and pick it up. Yeah. If yeah. Uh, you're working, let's say, at the, uh, I don't know, like some buildings are super high, but you're working at the 20th floor of a building, when you're done with your day, try to go use the stairs at least for two, three floors. Yeah, yeah. And grab the elevator at the floor number 17 or 16, if you can. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And this is just for the activity part, which we're going to talk about a bit later. Uh, but about the stretching, that's going to be a fun part. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm going to get, I'm going to get I, emotional. I, okay. I, I, hey, me and you both, man. Me, me and you both, definitely. But yeah, <laughs> let's get through the boring part of the stretching, and then we'll we'll, we'll get to the meat of the conversation. <laughs> so for stretching, I usually I usually depends on who. Obviously, it depends on the kind of workouts and everything. But if I have people like like athletes that are dedicated and everything. I try to give them like some routine of warm, like warm up and stretches before they come. For example, someone who's, who's sitting all day, I'm just gonna, you know, how like, for example, just one example, like hip flexor yeah, is short. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just gonna tell them, okay, all right. No matter what you're doing, if you're doing, we're talking about weightlifting. Okay. Uh, go and stretch your hip flexors for two minutes per side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then do some activation for your core. Okay, give me like three sets of thirty second plank, for example. So just just to clear it up for the for the listeners, your hip flexors, yeah, they insert from the top of the ad, abdomen, right? Uh, so basically, so, hip flexors are like the muscle that connects connects uh, upper body and lower body, and is responsible for whenever you're gonna lift up your knee, whenever you're gonna like lower like incline your bike and everything so okay all right i get what you're saying all right so yeah that that's that's the muscle it's basically between your belly button to the your like to the each side of your pelvic bone yeah okay all right i'm just trying to give people a visual (laughs) of what we're talking about because you 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 have some people they're gonna be like what the hell is a hip flexor you know which is you know we got i want to break it down for yeah, 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 average people so they understand what the hip flexor is, mm. and I'm assuming one of one of the better or a good stretch that I've used is you, I sit down on my knees like praying, yeah, and then just kind of arch my back backwards and 
push my hips up. Mm-hmm. That gives me a good stretch before yeah. squat. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what you advise your clients on. But. Uh, there is a bunch of stretches, honestly. There is like a... T- <laughs> so follow Sad. <laughs> yeah. Follow Sad on Instagram. <laughs> and he'll put some stretches up there by the I, time this episode drops. <laughs> so now you got hey, to put some hip flexor stretches up there. All right. Average good. Joe is going to be looking out for it, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> Definitely. Hip stretches tomorrow morning on my Instagram. Uh, so for hip flexors, um, there is like maybe 10 different ways of stretching your hip flexors, especially that for any stretch, you sometimes like have to stretch like a group of muscles. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you're going to stretch your hip flexors and you're going to stretch as well, like your rectus femoris. Okay. Which is like the, basically the muscle like right, uh, on top of your quads of your thighs. Okay. So oh, there's a muscle up there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Uh, rec- rectus femoris. Google it. Yeah, I, I will Google. I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll Google that later, uh, man. <laughs> so what's happening is uh, you got to stretch it as well. But you, you have a bunch of exercises. You can go on your knees and put one knee forward. You know, you know, like when you do a proposal? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and yes. you just like try to bring your hips more like, forward to feel the stretch. Like you basically feel it uh, like, uh, as you said, between the belly button and let's say, let's say you're upper thigh if i can say so yeah, uh, more in the that, inner size like more yeah inner thighs like under the belly button goes up on the side of your hip somehow <laughs> <laughs> trying to break it down you know yeah no that's fine man uh, all right so so if all right i mean at the end of the day anyone who's listening to this can go on google and just like type yeah. in hip, fle- hip flexors and if you have lower back pain i found with me sometimes to relieve my my lower back pain short term I just stretch out my hip flexors and it mm. makes like right away, I, I feel a difference in uh, lower back pain. But anyone who wants it, you can Google uh, mm. hip flexor stretches on uh, Google it or just go onto YouTube. Yeah. And there's plenty of them out there. It's, uh, it's actually interesting that what you're saying about hip flexors and back pain. And I actually like uh, advise people to go on and Google uh, anterior pelvic tilt, anterior pelvic tilt. Uh, it's actually one of the like syndrome. That appears uh, lower cross syndrome, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's from sitting all day, exactly, yeah. and that's most of the time causes back pain, and this gonna help a lot. So basically, I mean, your hip flex, basically, your body is working. Uh, it's like it's once you learn. I'm, 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 I'm like let's say a, a physiology and anatomy nerd. I love it, but you just realize that your body is an amazing machine that compensates everything. Your body adapts to anything you're doing, anything, even if you're you're doing a training. Your body adapts, builds on strength or muscles or resistance, whatever. You're doing, you're having a bad posture. Your body adapts and the mechanic changes. The muscles adapt. It's crazy how, how amazing, like the, the, the capacity of the body to adapt to anything. And sometimes it's for a good thing. Sometimes it's for a bad thing. I mean, if you're doing a bad thing, if you're sitting all day, you develop like lower cross and upper cross syndromes, which leads to back pain or shoulder pain, neck pain, migraines. I mean, there is a bunch of, uh, of uh, pains and aches that you can develop out of this. So, And people think it's from going to the gym. They're like, oh, I went to the gym. I'm so sore. It's not from the gym, dude. It's from but- sitting down all day and then going and being active without properly warming up, without properly stretching, yeah. and just all of that incorporated into but it. But you know, actually, what's fun is most of, I mean, most of people, most of people with those dis- postural dysfunctions, when they go to the gym, it flares up because... They just realize that you cannot put your body into such tension and having like such a bad, I'm sorry, like such a bad mechanic. And 
That's why some people don't understand. Sometimes they come and they start and they're doing very basic movement. They're like, my back hurts. Oh, my, my, like for the, for instance, I've seen people doing planks. Okay. Which is for me, like the most basic fitness movement you can do because whenever you're going to squat, whenever you're going to deadlift or push press or, or even pull up, whatever, you, you need to know how to activate your core. And I think... It's one, uh, it's one of the best. One of the best movements you could do is a like plank. Yeah. Plank and its variations, in my opinion, is one of the best core exercises. So sometimes you just go for a basic plank with people and they tell me like, they don't tell me, oh, my, my abs burn, my core burn, it's, like, it's working hard, like my back hurts because they don't know how to engage, how to activate yeah. the muscle. Yeah. So we're facing another problem. We're not even like trying to improve the athletic performance. We're trying to teach people how to activate certain muscles. Because when you're sitting down all day, your, your abdomen, short, you know, your, your ab muscles just shut off. Mm-hmm. They virtually just switch off. And when they switch off, you're using, you're probably using different muscles to hold your body up or hold your upper torso up. Yeah, exactly. And I, I know personally for me, when I get into a plank and I really actively engage my, my abs and my core, mm. I know my back pain usually alleviates for a little while. It definitely does help for me personally. Mm. And I think everybody's different at the end. Of yeah, it. yeah. Everybody's so different. Like you said, yeah. we're all different machines. And for me, it's like I do, um, a couple of planks. When I do planks consistently throughout the day at work, it's amazing. My back pain goes away. Well, you do planks at work? Yeah, man. That's amazing. I, I, <laughs> look, I make it, I make it a, a, like a general principle to yeah. walk. We'll get into that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then, we, then, I could share also- some, then I could share some of my secrets about how to stay active during the day. But here's, my, here's another question for you that we kind of hit on. We talked about a little bit and we were getting to is, how important is strength training opposed to walking and jogging, which everyone in Kuwait, when you say, oh, what are you doing? They're like, oh, I exercise. I go for a walk. Or, oh, I exercise. I'm jogging. Yeah. So how important is strength training versus the walking and the jogging? Because each has its own place. Mm. But if you, in my opinion, at least, if you're a runner, you're building up your endurance and you're not, you're losing muscle because you're teaching your body to, hey, I don't need all this excess weight. So what's what's your take on that? Um, it depends what you mean by strength exercises. Just just r- r- lifting weights, not not heavy weights, but for the average okay. person, you know, I mean, not sitting there doing a thirty five pound bicep curl, but you know, just making sure they're engaging the the muscle groups, doing like a push pull routine three times a week or two times a week. Like, how would you how would you gauge that against the walkers and the joggers? Because you see a lot of people that. They're advocates about running and how it's so, you know, the, the health benefits are amazing from it. And, mm. you know, then you have the other people that are advocates about strength training. So I'm assuming you're the type of coach where you want your clients to do a little bit of both, maybe mm-hmm. keep it even. But what, what do you, what's your take on that? Just out of curiosity, your uh, general opinion. Honestly, in our world, like in nowadays, in our society, uh, including like all countries in the world, by the way, I mean, most of the, like Western countries, like Europe, America, and Middle East, at least, uh, it's a requirement. Like everybody should do like even basic strengthening exercises because we're sitting away too much. Uh, I don't think everybody has to be a super strong athlete because it's up to anyone. Uh, for me, walking is not even an option. It's not an option. It's, it's you shouldn't count it as exercise. <laughs> That's something you need to do. <laughs> exactly. Look, honestly, in my opinion, 
working out is what an athlete do. Walking is what a human being is doing. <laughs> that's that's a good example. Like man. that's I al- a, that's yeah, that's good. I always tease my athletes because you know now we have all the smartwatches that count your steps and everything. And I always tell them, I'm like, listen to me. Even if you're having a day job, desk job, if you walk like less than six to eight thousand steps per day, you're not a human being. You're a vegetable. That's it. You're not doing your job as a human being. So in my opinion, strength training is, I mean, sorry, strengthening uh, like activity, weightlifting, whatever, is a really, uh, it's, it's a really good, I would say, bonus, like bonus plus plus, like real, like I would highly, 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 highly suggest it. I would not say everyone should go to the gym. I mean, but not everyone could afford to go to the gym or so so to speak but so sorry to exercise even yeah. like to do some even like some planks at home or or some exercises or push-ups high knees there's so many different yeah there there's is, so many at home exercises yeah yeah definitely there is all honestly i think there is always especially now nowadays with internet and everything even for free you can always go away like find a way around and find some exercises that are good for you and that will always help you anyway well, but like my my statement is walking is not an option. Going to the gym is an option. Uh, I highly recommend any kind of exercise done properly. But definitely like walking is not an option. And we're going to... to Walk, walking is supposed to be the normal thing you do all the time. Like that's supposed to be... Exactly. And you know, that's actually a problem that I faced as a trainer when I came to Middle East is... You know, when I was working out with uh, my athletes, uh, I mean, when I was working with my athletes in France and we we're working out and they were reaching their goals most of the time. I'm really happy about it. And when I came here, um, okay, now let's, let's go into that. Let's get, let's that, get into it, man. Yeah, let's yeah, get let's into go. it. <laughs> let's make this the last segment of the show. <laughs> exactly. So what happened is I used to have some athletes that used to come four times a week. Okay. Four times a week they come. Early morning, 8 a.m., ready for the workout, and they push really hard. And we're going like for a very intense workout. Can be weightlifting, or sometimes we're doing sprints and like like a lot of conditioning. Sometimes like really intense boxing workout. Like that was really really intense, and they trained really hard. And I was like, I was impressed. I was like, wow, that's cool. That's amazing. And like after a month, after two months, they're just telling me that I'm not losing weight. I'm talking about people that want to lose weight mostly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not losing weight. I don't understand why. Because I just finished the gym and I have my protein shake and I just, I go through my normal day. And then I was thinking, I'm like, what's wrong? Like, what? Because I realize sometimes some people have a very, very low metabolism. So it's really hard for them to lose weight and everything. Like you have a bunch of reasons why they don't lose weight. Yeah, every, every, everyone's different. You, I just yeah. realized was like too many people were like that. I'm like, what's going on here? And then I, I began to question myself trying to see that. Like, I always try to see the bigger <laughs> picture and I'm like, excuse me. I just, you know, I ask people, what do you eat? And they're like, I don't eat that much. I go to the coffee in the morning and I have like a pastry with my coffee, with my Americano and and then I go home and I have lunch and I have dessert. And then I have a snack in the afternoon with friends. And then I go out at night, like for another, for another coffee or, or I have like dinner with the family or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, oh, on the weekend, we have also family gathering, which is like a, a big thing in Kuwait. 
and like, oh, I'm sorry, like it's family gathering. I have to, I have to let it go. I have to eat like crazy, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I just realized, and I'm like, okay, what are you doing during your day? So they're just telling me, like, oh, I'm in the office the whole day, or oh, I'm at home the whole day, or I'm just. And you realize that people are just literally sitting or laying down the whole day, and it's just unbelievable. And I was so shocked because when I check, when I check the, like you know the smart watches that people yeah, are having, yeah. they're like, oh. I check and I see like a thousand five hundred steps, and I check. Wow, I see. That's not normal. That's not human. Like mm. here is the problem. You know, there is there is actually a really good book that I was uh, that I read in a day. It's called Desk Bound. Okay, it's a uh, it's a book that explains. It's like a thousand page book. It's really interesting. It explains all the impact of sitting on health in general. And it was at a certain a certain point, it was explaining that. Uh, they made a test um, on people about uh, standing desks, okay? And they realized that people actually develop back pain out of standing up the whole day. Yeah, yeah. They, they they tried to do that switch in the States and other places to switch to the standing desk, but they didn't realize that it's just going to create a different imbalance. The problem is people yeah. are so used to be sitting and having like certain, like a certain mechanic, short muscles and, and lengthening muscles, so when they stand up, they're just not used to it. So what they've been creating now is certain standing desks that you can like go for different positions. You can lift up one leg and put it on the scale. You have like a cert- like certain specific seats that you're not completely sitting. You're just like kind of just laying on it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is actually pretty comfortable. I've I've tried. It. It's like it's it's pretty fine actually. And they've they've been doing a test about this, like a study or research. Uh. They check the calorie consumption for eight hours uh, on people working on in uh, those offices. Okay, so they've been they went to the office and they put you know all this um, those machines to calculate like to check the calorie consumption and they realized they've been consuming out of eight hours of work in the office three hundred calories. Okay, that's you know you, what what your body needs to function. Yeah, especially if you're sitting down and doing nothing all day. Yeah, exactly. Sense, Cali, yeah. Let's say like your brain working some sometimes. So you're here and you're working all day. You you let's say you burn 300 calories. Okay, just to give like an average 300 calories. I, it's a salad from caribou. Yeah, uh, 300 calories is like a very let's say like two slices of bread with I don't know maybe like. Maybe a spoon of peanut butter and maybe a slice of uh, turkey. Yeah. I don't know, like a very. It's, it, it's a small. It's a small meal. It's it's a very small meal. Exactly. Like it's, it's, it's literally like you said, a salad, half a teaspoon of peanut butter, and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and they made the test with people standing with the those like specific standing desk where you can just like lay on the and let's say I call it like a, a high seat. Or like just move like don't don't be static but move around, and then being realizing people were consuming one thousand three hundred calories in eight hours. Oh wow! Just by the fact of being standing up in eight hours, which is like a normal day of work, it's going to speed up your metabolism. You're you're standing, you're using muscles yeah. differently. Yeah, it makes sense. That makes you're sense. You're burning an extra thousand calories. I mean, I'm using calories as a as a let's say like as a as a unit as a way of, of, of seeing the energy consumption i'm not mm. i'm not into like specific calories and everything i think i th- like i think that's the best way we have to calculate the amount of food that we're eating yeah uh, i don't think it's it's 
perfect. Yeah, it's definitely but, not accurate because everyone's different. You could burn a thousand calories doing an activity where I burn five hundred, or definitely. So it's everyone's everyone's different, and and I do not agree with the fact that for me eating uh, hundred calories of potato chips is not the same as eating hundred calories of apple. Oh yeah, it's completely yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love the dietitians. Oh man, we're gonna so, get we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get into that one later on. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, that's not the same. But uh, in my opinion, calories is like the 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 least. Uh, worst, uh, I would say, like way of calculating how we eat, of having an overview of what we eat, yeah. basically. So hopefully, in a few years, we can maybe like find out there is another way to calculate how you eat, how much you eat, and how you should eat. Let's say it's it's definitely bound to happen. Let's it's Let's definitely see. bound to happen. And I mean, one 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 of the things I do um, personally is at work every half an hour, I try to get up and do 20 air squats. I try to get up and do 20 push-ups That's or, perfect. you know, do a plank, uh, do side planks because your obliques, I've noticed, I've been, you know, right now it's peak season for me at work. Um, yeah. So I've been sitting down a lot more. Yeah. And it's harder for me to get my half an hour, mm. two minute or three minute workout in because I've got people in my office all the your time. exercise shots. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, shots, it's yeah. really difficult. And, you know, at lunchtime, I will walk 3,000, well, not 3,000, about 2,000 steps around the building outside because the weather's nice. Mm. You get some vitamin D with the sunlight, yeah, some true, fresh yeah. air. So, I mean, I think that's a good message that you're sending to tell people, hey, you have to move around. Try and incorporate more movement throughout the day because it's going to make more of a difference when you come to the gym and when you're just in daily, you know, day, daily life. Mm. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful message you're sending out to people. I think, I mean, I think it's a huge boost, actually. Even in your weight loss, and now I'm talking to everyone that wants to lose weight. Honestly, go to the gym. It's amazing. It's going to shape up your body. It's going to give you like an athletic shape and like, uh, like build up like a, a balance and proper athletic body. But honestly, let's say you're going to the gym and you're doing an hour workout. Okay. And let's say even you're really dedicated and you come 20 minutes before to like warm up properly. So you get an hour and 20 minutes working out. That's amazing. That's great. That's like, I really respect people that do that because they honestly, that's why I tell people you're coming PT or to class. You're paying for the membership. You're dealing with the traffic. You're taking out of your personal times, personal spare times. And you come here and you give a hundred percent. I highly respect that, honestly. And honestly, I think that's what keeps me motivated to be a trainer. So I'm like, wow, those people are motivated. That's amazing. That's great. It's tough. It's very, it's yeah. very, it's very difficult. Even for me, I mean, yeah. to get four, four days in at the gym a week is extremely difficult. So yeah, I mean, sorry, not to cut you off. Go on. Yeah. No, but it's, it's, I mean, really, I respect that for anyone, no matter your level. That's amazing. But you're going to work out and you're going to burn around. It, it really depends, depend on people, but. You might burn between five to a thousand calorie. Let's say an average of seven hundred calories. Yeah. Okay, seven hundred fifty calories that you're gonna burn in the gym in one workout. Imagine having like doubling it. Okay, so having the double, so a thousand five hundred calories, just because you have been walking more, just because you have been standing more. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not telling people, okay, go get a standing desk. I know it's not easy for everyone, but what I'm saying is like. If you can just start by walking more, if you can just start by, okay, you're at home, you're, you're just scrolling on Instagram, 
and not doing anything, okay, go and grab your phone, go on iTunes, go in the Project Kuwait and listen to a podcast while you're walking around in the neighborhood. <laughs> there we go, that a boy, that a boy. Uh, you know what I mean? Like just listen to podcasts or what I, I give, like I always do that once a week. I go for a walk alone and I just grab my phone and I just give a call to my family uh, in France. Like I call my brothers and sisters, I call my friends and I call my, I don't know, like my old friends, whoever I call. I just always like call someone and I end up maybe walking for 40, 45 minutes. And just like 40, 45 minutes, I don't know, it's going to be what, 1,600 steps extra, which is mm. actually really good. Yeah. So in my opinion, I know I'm talking to all the people that are having, you know, those uh, Apple Watches, Fitbit and everything, Garmin. Okay, that gives you like a rough estimation of your steps, which is interesting. Always try to go above 8,000. Always, every day, every day, and no rest you'd day. Be, you'd be surprised, man, how hard it is to get above 8,000. It is, it is extreme. Like, I have my watch set on 8,000 is my goal yeah. because I know that's a realistic goal to get to. And when I was training people, when I, when I was taking on PTs, I would give people a goal of 4,000. <laughs> Imagine it is that difficult nowadays yeah. to get to 4,000 steps in a day. So to, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it, it is tough. I can sympathize with it, but you're right. People have to mm. take your kids out to play. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's one thing I do with, uh, with DJ is I get home from work. I mean, I drive three hours a day yeah. and then I'm sitting for seven hours. <laughs> so I'm basically sitting for half my day, 12, day, 12 hours a day. So when I get home, I try to stand up, play around with DJ. I'll even roll around on the ground with him, whatever. And I take him for a walk or, or whatnot. So, I mean, I think the message you're sending to the listeners, your clients is such a valuable message, such an important one. And yeah, I, th I think if people follow some of your basic principles, yeah, it would definitely help them out in the I long mean, run. The funny part is like, I actually learned that not, not from myself. It's just, you know, when people are telling me, because I know like people travel a lot over here, like they like to go for like to go to London, to the States, and they're all telling me the same thing. They're like, man, you don't understand. I was in London. I felt so good. I lost weight. I was eating out every day and I lost so much weight. I felt, I felt so good. Like I could almost see my abs and everything. I'm like, yeah, what was, what was different? Like, oh, I was walking all day. Makes a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> you know Definitely I mean? makes a big difference. So I understand, like, just to maybe I think like conclude on that. Uh, well, before before we we wrap things up, what's your project right now? And uh, which what? in general in life, what's your project? What project do you have going on right now that you could tell the listeners about, uh, and then tell them how they can uh, find you? We'll definitely put your contact info in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no problem, dude. <laughs> uh, so my project now, I work as a personal trainer. I I'm let's say uh, going more toward like rehab and fixing postures, fixing pain. Uh, but still, like, my, my, let's say my, my, my creed is to, like, from, from pain or from injury to strength. Like, I, I'm not a huge fan of just, like, basic rehab, but just, like, lifting your arms forward and, and just, like, fix the problem and feel better, but more like, okay, now that we, you're feeling better, let's make sure this will never happen and build up, like, a proper, strong body, you know, like... I'm not talking about becoming professional, but like just being strong and feeling good, like training, like just dragging you toward this culture. So my project for the future, I, um, I'm i actually studying now. Uh, I keep it as a secret so far. 
That's but, awesome, man. But Good. people are going to find out, uh, let's say, sooner or later. I'm actually studying now because I'm, I'm planning to, like, let's say, uh, add up a good value at my knowledge. And That's amazing, man. The best project to have is, is a self-project. That's yeah. amazing. Honestly, look, I'm going to tell you the truth. In my opinion, uh, I'll give you my overview of, on the biz- like the fitness business or fitness industry in the next few years. Uh, <laughs> for me, yeah. but we're going to have a... I don't know if... You, I think I told you that before. We've had like a few talks here and there, but in my opinion, we're going to have a merge between trainers and all the jobs related to physiotherapists. And, I agree. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming sooner or later. My opinion in the society we're living in now, if we are not us trainers, coaches, whatever, being more serious and more educated and more whatever professional, we will never reach that level that we're supposed to reach. In my opinion, I always take my job as I should be considered the same way as a doctor. Yeah. Because yeah. I see, I've seen people crying in front of me. I've seen people like in pain. I've seen people coming to me being depressed and be like, I don't feel good in my body. I feel like I'm, I hate myself. And I've seen people like getting a huge transformation and Honestly, it just humbles you because you're like, wow, that's amazing. Like, you, you know, when you start being a coach, you just think about the fitness part, but you don't understand how much you can help people. And honestly, yeah. that's what I want to do. Um, that's what I want to do, period. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always good to meet a trainer that's not a trainer that's not full of crap <laughs> no, and someone I, that's not more worried about their Instagram being popular versus giving people <laughs> the right knowledge that they need. So thank you, Sad, for joining us. And hopefully we can definitely have you on again. Definitely. Um, ho- hopefully Meg will be here next time. I yeah, that would be really she, cool. She, she was looking forward to this, but and she sent me a message. She was having major FOMO, which is fear of missing out. <laughs> hey, hey, I had to explain that one to me. But um, we'll definitely have you back on here when Meg and Liam are back. And, definitely. you know, um, thanks, man. Thanks. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you very much for uh, receiving me and hope to see you again. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.